We were a part of the Print to Protect Coalition, and we were able to distribute 10,000 face shields to local like frontline workers, and uh, 5,000 of those face shields were produced here at Hatch Workshop on our laser cutter. Welcome everyone to the 209 Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Luis Urbano. And if you haven't yet, please follow the social media pages for this podcast. You can find it at the 209 Journey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Also, I invite you to subscribe to the show wherever you might be listening. And if you have that chance, it'd be really awesome if you could leave a review uh, wherever you get the opportunity to do so. I know one of those places is Apple Podcasts and Spotify lets you actually leave a rating as well. So just two examples there, but it would mean a lot to me if you could actually do that, be able to help other people discover the podcast uh, through the ratings, through the comments and get more listeners here on the show, which is always appreciated. And it's always really awesome to be able to see those listener numbers go up for the episodes. So on tonight's episode, I'm going to be interviewing LSR Abraham. He is a musician, thinker and maker who's lived in a few places around the country and co-founded Hatch Workshop, which is a community center and maker space in downtown Stockton. So really interested in knowing more about how that got started and all the projects they've done and future projects as well. So we'll be talking about all that here on this episode and much more, of course. So welcome to a 209 journey, LSR. How are you? I'm well, thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you for being on here. I know you have a lot going on. I saw your website. I saw the different projects that you've worked on and all that. So I'm sure you got you got a lot to work on. And, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that. So I'm excited to hear about the upcoming projects that you have. Absolutely. Always busy, but better busy than bored, you know? Oh, yeah. That's that's very well said. Yeah, I, I agree. So I want to start first, and I'm going to start asking you things a little bit different than I usually do here since uh, you moved to Stockton's Tight to Hatch Workshop, and we'll get to that right after this. But I want to know a little bit more about where your passion for the arts came from. I know that you've done a few different projects, you know, from like music to video, to the arts, sculptures, like, it's just really interesting all that you've done. So tell me more about where that passion came from. Well, I guess it really started for me with poetry and photography. Um, Just when I was a kid, you know, I just really enjoyed poetry in school and photography, Um, just taking pictures and stuff on disposable cameras and Polaroids. And then I started, I got into music and that really is, um, that's my, that's my greatest passion in the arts definitely is music. But it's just, uh, to be honest with you, I find the process of making objects to be almost secondary to the, the, the art. So by the time I finally get down to making something and it's like an object, it's, I've almost left it behind. That's why I'm, I love music so much, because music is always past with the moment. But I was really lucky to have some, some folks around me when I was growing up, when I was going through some tough times, who were able to you know, guide me through just uh, playing music and, you know, take photographs and, you know, dealing with my own life through art. And it kind of stuck with me. And I got older and, you know, there is, I think, collapse of the old system of labor. I kind of decided that I wanted to try to figure out how to have fun in my life, if I could. (laughs) I mean, you know, that's a, you know, whether or not that's where I landed is a different story. But, you know, when I started, I was like, I want to figure out how to have fun. So I'm going to go figure out how to make art. Yeah, honestly, 
you know, and you know, that's music and that's cooking and that's all kinds of, you know, whatever, just the, the process of creation generally. I'm from Albany, New York, for what that's worth. I was privileged to go to a pretty good high school that had a darkroom program. And uh, so I got to like learn darkroom photography when I was in high school. And there was also like, I learned how to use like Photoshop and Illustrator when I was young. So I really benefited from like, early access to facilities, art facilities. And, it, you know, it stuck with me in ways I didn't recognize when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. No, that's really awesome to be able to have ability to have all those resources. I mean, those are really powerful tools, especially Photoshop. And I mean, I, could, I mean, just the entire Adobe Creative Suite, right? There's so much you could do that anyone could be a professional nowadays, right? With all the different tools that we have at our disposal to just create something. I guess you need the good computer, but still, you could get a good computer <laughs> and do all that. Yeah. And, you know, they've got they've got other machines that are available in places. I mean, there's um, this free software that are available. But um, I think what's interesting about the world today, especially for artists, is uh, you kind of have to be your own business person, your own business owner, your own marketer, your own accountant. And when you have to do all those different things, just having digital skills <laughs> broadly and, you know, uh, graphic design skills specifically, they really come in handy in a lot of unexpected ways. Oh, yeah, they really do. So it's great that I think as the years go by, it just seems like it gets easier, right? Since it's almost like the tools do everything for you. And with AI now, it's like they can generate a, a draft, right? But uh, there's still nothing like having your own direction. I guess you still have to give a direction to AI, but it, it's nice to see just, again, all these different tools that you can use for, for that purpose too. Yeah. You know, I like to say that the... um. The, the original technology is actually the pencil or, you know, an early technology. And people don't often think about the fact that the technology is just a way of accessing or making something easier. And in the way that you never learn to use a pencil, but you learn to write and you learn to draw, one doesn't learn how to use a 3D printer. And we also shouldn't try to learn how to use Photoshop. We, we learn how to do things with the tools. Oh, yeah. You have to understand the basics first, right, before getting into everything else right so i think that it's, it's great to point that out that you have to have the foundations of things and not just jump right into <laughs> into the using the tool without knowing more about it right so <laughs> i want to talk a little bit more about your journey to the tool nine to stockton specifically to start hatch workshop like tell me more about how the opportunity came about and i know you were living elsewhere so just how did you find out about it it's kind of a complicated story i'm going to do the best i can to skim through it. I went to college at SUNY Purchase, a state school in New York. And one of the folks who was a couple of years behind me, I did some work with him. I was um I helped him run some things on TNC. And then um after I graduated, I stayed behind at the studios and I just like, was doing work in the shops. And uh, somebody got me an opportunity out in Colorado. So I got in my car and I drove west. And I, I did an internship in Colorado. And after that, I was like, oh, I'm going to just keep going west, I guess. So, you know, I traveled around. I visited all the states, um, all the cities in the West Coast. And I moved to Seattle, actually. I visited the big cities, I should say, you know, all the major coastal points. And I, I kind of like the vibe of Seattle. I like the view of the mountains. So I moved there and I was just kind of whatever. And then I was teaching classes at the place that I interned in Colorado. So I was just, you know, traveling around, not really, not really rooted or anything. And my buddy who 
I did some work with back at college in New York, and who also had happened to us uh, like stay with stay with us when we were over in Colorado. Took some classes at that place where I was interning. He ended up calling me. I'm like, I'm at this bar in Montana or something on my way to Colorado. He called me. He's like, you're never going to guess where I am. And they had just signed a one-year free lease on a building in downtown Stockton. And he's like, there's a CNC in the corner. Nobody here knows how to use it. Like, we're we're thinking of trying to do something like here in this place. And I was like, that's crazy. I'll, I'll come check it out, I guess. You know, it was one of those. It felt like one of those, like, you have to say yes. It was like one of those once in a lifetime you know, like adventure moments. So I ended up like, it took maybe like four or five months to actually get here. Cause that was like, I was driving to Colorado. I had to like do this job. And then I went to visit over here. Then I was like commuting from Seattle to Stockton for a little while. This is 2017 now. So around September of 2017, that's a, we like, we got a floor plan together for the building. This is um this old building I'm talking about. <laughs> the local ears, 33 North Aurora Street. It used to be the Mepco labeling building. It had the I'm not surprised, the Nate Diaz mural on it. Just say it. For those who know, they'll know. But uh, we were up in that spot for a while. And I'm going to I'm gonna gloss over a bunch right now. But it was kind of a dangerous situation. The developers and the landlords that we had fallen in with. So things all pretty much fell apart. And like we actually found the building that we're in now, one of the team members on Craigslist. And basically the whole shop got moved by hand, like across the railroad tracks. And we ended up in this spot now. So it took us a few years after getting into town, just because of the difficulties to even get our doors open. But once we got to this building, we were like, hey, we can get this started. We launched our membership program. We started holding classes. And that was right before the pandemic started. But anyway, that's that's pretty much how I got here. And then how we got to this building, how I got to this chair right here. <laughs> oh, it's great that you guys were able to start it before the pandemic, right? Because I know, I mean, everything just, we know how things went right around that time. So I'm glad that you guys were able to find a good spot right there and an alternative, right? And not have to deal with the situation that was going on at the other one too there. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Once in a lifetime opportunities. I mean, they don't always come around, especially having your own space right there. And you, you got to take them, right? So it's good that you, you took a chance and now you're here in the tone and able to share all the wisdom gained through your travels and through being in, in these big cities, which, I mean, we, we know that the art scene is is something big in, in those cities. So it's nice to bring that here to the Tonine and keep more artists around, right? Because I, I think that it's really easy to say like i have to move somewhere far to like get that experience that i want but what you guys are building here is a really great foundation for a lot of those artists who want to start local maybe they're not ready to move out they want to make a name for themselves and then maybe go to those bigger cities which of course will always have more more opportunities it's nice to keep more local right more of them working on projects here locally yeah. And I think it's important to highlight the um, the idea of the maker movement. Also, that this idea of creating things with our hands, which for one, reduces the cost that we spend on new things, which um, in turn reduces the environmental strain of like global supply chains. And two, it reduces the amount of stuff that we throw away because we're able to repair things. It actually 
there's a there's a real tangible social, environmental, and economic benefit to place-based maker movements. So I would argue that everywhere needs a makerspace. I mean, Stockton would benefit from like five or six makerspaces. The, the reality of it is just that it's um, it's a difficult business model. And in a place like Stockton, where there's like not a lot of resources that are sitting in people's pockets, you know, one of the ways that we've survived is that we haven't priced ourselves out of affordability for our neighbors. And that's a commitment that we have to this community as well. But you know what I mean? That also means that we have so many income streams and historically we've had to keep this place open by build furniture. And you know, to your point about the pandemic, when the pandemic hit, like we had to shut everything down. We hadn't created a name for ourselves. And we actually fell right into making face shields. So we were a part of the Print Protect Coalition. And we were able to distribute 10,000 face shields to local like frontline workers. And uh, 5,000 of those face shields were produced here at Hatch Workshop on our laser cutter. We had this whole like volunteer thing going on. It was at the early days, you know, so everybody was like, we're all wearing gloves and like masks and like, you know, Tyvex. It was crazy. <laughs> but, you know, the landlord gave us some free months back then. So mm-hmm. just kind of recognizing that it like it really takes a village. You know, at every at every step of the way, like we have entirely been relying on this city to succeed. And ultimately, it's not us that are succeeding. It's the city that's manifesting its own success. You know, we're just feel proud to be a shepherd of that. Wow, that's really impressive that you guys did that many there and in that place. And yeah, you're right. We saw examples of that and a few different areas of people just coming together, helping each other out to you know, get all these supplies shared with people, maybe grocery shopping for people, or in your case, right, being able to produce those supplies locally that were really tough to find elsewhere, right? Because everyone wanted them. So uh, they were saturating the supply chain. So it's great that there were local places like your place that could help with that situation whilst being able to, you know, give all the first responders and anyone else who was on the front lines that protection that they needed. Yeah. And then when it came to around Thanksgiving time, because another one of the strange things that comes along with um, being in the position that we're in is that folks come to us when like a company, we're, we're a nonprofit, just to clarify. And so one of the reasons that folks come to us in particular is because they're able to receive um, tax write-offs. Although I will have that's not like people who think they're going to be able to get like um cash write-offs for um goods donated it doesn't work out like that but for big institutions they're able to leverage losses by donating assets which is like kind of complicated stuff but every once in a while folks come to us and they have like everything and they're just trying to figure out how to get it donated and these folks came to us and we took a tour and they had like 700 kids desks and chairs and like office fart furniture and partitions. And this was in September, October of the pandemic. And so this was at the height of distance learning. Um, you know, maybe you remember this was when everybody's kitchen table became the school desk. <laughs> and we and so I was like, wait a second, we should like get these desks to kids in town. So uh, we ended up partnering with all these different organizations and it was crazy. We did like distribution from this spot up on Pershing. And a bunch of our partners like loaded up U-Haul vans and actually some like we had some AmeriCorps folks helping us and they 
took some of them, those AmeriCorps, those white unmarked government vans, and loaded them up with school desks and chairs and dropped them off to families on the south side. It was like the craziest thing. We got over 700 desks out. It was, you know, just really impressive to see how a place is able to just leverage existing assets for that community benefit. You know, it was like that stuff was as good as trash to them. And like it meant, it meant everything to the families at the moment. Yeah. And like you mentioned earlier, right? It takes a village and you could accomplish things if you work together. And there's the resources to help uh, distribute all those desks. And yeah, they were in demand. I remember. I mean, I the desk that I'm using right now, it was, it was really hard to find one. They, they weren't easily accessible. So it's great that you guys were able to make sure that they, they had access to, to those desks. And yeah, well, I want to talk a little bit more about the services that the workshop offers for people in the community. Can you uh, just briefly describe what, what those are? Sure. At our location here at 40 South Union Street, we have a community center and makerspace. So our makerspace, which to, to clarify a little bit, it's like it's an industrial art space. So what we have here is a wood shop, a metal shop, a ceramic studio. We have digital fabrication tools, which includes CNC, cutter, laser cutters, 3D printers. We have like printmaking and fiber arts, you know, space for music and gardening. Those make the membership access to the makerspace is from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. every day. That's the primary service that we offer. We host shows and we host different kinds of events, pop-ups and, you know, open forums different art shows for people in the community. Normally, the way that that works is somebody who wants to host an event will come to us and we'll put them on, for, for lack of a better word. <laughs> we have the opportunity for instructors to host classes here. Now, I say it like that because the responsibility for classes falls on the instructors. And this is just, you know, we keep it real. Businesses are hard and, you know, the teachers are usually the ones that like fall in the pinch of like, you know, the supply and demand in education. And honestly, it's hard to schedule classes also. So the way that it works here is we have like a, a service, an online service where people can sign up for classes and um, anybody in our community can host classes there. And then if it goes through that service, the instructor gets 80% of the income. Now for folks who are part of our space here and like they want to just teach classes, if they're like setting something up one-on-one, -on -one, then they can just like, you know, ball the money. They don't have to give a cut to the company if they're just teaching a class. So the idea here is that we're creating economic opportunities and also art-making opportunities for both folks who are interested in learning, but also people who already know what they're doing and just want to like, you know, make things, making makers got to make style, you know, because of the concerts and the open mics and the different pop-up events there's a variety of ways that people can come through and like come to a show you know and then at the shows you know if it's not too busy we could take a little tour if not you can only peek through we, the the events usually happen outside and then we keep a door open for bathroom access and you know we hang out around here when there's like a handful of community events that uh, happen throughout the year that we make a point of attending and over time, we're hoping to be able to get out to more community events. So like on Earth Day, you'll find us at Victory Park. 
we usually do a national night out. We go downtown Stockton, you know, kick it with the team. So there's just a handful of things. We like to go to the tree lighting down at the waterfront. And, you know, there's, we host an annual music festival here on the lot. There's, you know, we're just trying to keep the, um, the community moving. So if there's anything that folks want to do that we don't explicitly do, I have a Calendly and folks can book my time any day, Monday to Friday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Because ultimately I feel responsible to be accessible to, you know, people in the city first. So, you know, sometimes people, someone will like, as I was mentioning about the repairing, we've had people from in the, in the neighborhood come through and like carry a table over and like, oh, my table leg broke. And we'll like fix up their table leg, you know, it's like, it's whatever people need. That's really awesome. I mean, you guys have the tools, right? It's like, there you go. Like, I, I got this, right? I can, <laughs> I can fix this really quick because we have the, the right equipment to, to get it done really quick. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing. It, it's a really great center. As you describe all this, I'm like, yeah, you're right. There should be like more places like this in the 209. Modesto should have one for sure here as well. And just, I, I think it's nice that you could have the community rally around a, a space and like you said give them those economic opportunities if you want to get that experience teaching others a certain craft you can actually have that space there right while still being able to make something and i think it's not really all about just the making right it's more about that experience that they can gain while they're there at the workshop to then further on translate that into maybe a career elsewhere as well right so it's just I think there's so many great benefits just around either teaching, learning, or as you said, right, the community coming by and being like, yeah, I have this issue with my furniture. Like, I need some help. I was just going to quickly mention um, part of what we do, uh, because as a nonprofit, we're involved in like community development work sometimes and different meetings and things. And so um, one of the things we really focus on is actually educating the community and building the tools within the grassroots for more, you know, engagement in the decisions that affect everybody's lives. So we don't have to get into too much right now, but if you go to our website, there's patchworkshop.org slash reports, you could find some information about just uh, Stockton's uh, demographics, about the creative community here. And we're intentional about, you know, creating more learning opportunities, more data opportunities that reflect and empower the people in the city. Yeah, no, like, like I said, I, I, I find that really amazing to be able to like, just see organizations like yours, like trying to make the, the 209 a, a really great place for people to visit and for our current residents to have more of those opportunities to uh, learn something new that they maybe wouldn't otherwise have. I know we were speaking about it offline, like, you know, before me knowing about Hatch Workshop, only place I could think of that you could go to maybe learn the arts or just practice any of the arts would maybe be like a community college taking a class. <laughs> but then it's like, after that, you can't really go back, right? I mean, that space is only for students. So it's a little challenging. So just having the space that people can go to, I think just also encourages people to get more involved with all these different professions and some might just want to have that learning opportunity just to say I know this and others might pursue it and actually make a career out of it too so I appreciate saying so and um, I think all what it helps to provide 
for folks who are a little bit later in their lives of making is, you know, a lot of those folks, they kind of bought everything that they need. And it's like all up in their garage or in a shed or in some room in, you know, their spot. And it's just, it, it makes it tight. And you can only fit so much stuff in any one space. And so what we're able to provide to folks isn't just like a tool, but we have some pretty, you know, tools that are available to folks in our community. So the idea is that like together we have access to better stuff than we do alone. Oh yeah. And like, more expensive tools. And, and like you said, just more of the space as well, since a lot of people have a lot of things in their garage and <laughs> might not have necessarily the space to have all the required um, materials there and to be able to really focus on it. I think it's also the focus too, right? Like you're in a space, you're next to other people who are maybe doing the same thing or doing something else. And I feel like you get that inspiration, right? Just from seeing other people creating things that you get inspired in whatever it is that you're creating, right? I know I would be if I was in that situation. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And it's we all learn things from each other. You know, it's um, it's we have folks that are you know from from young to old. Our members are so it's pretty nice also to sort of have that kind of like an intergenerational space because you can see sort of like the through line of you know arts and creativity and the human experience. Oh, yes, you could definitely uh, see that there. So I want to talk about the projects that you guys have worked on since Hatch Workshop opened. So just tell me some of the ones that like stand out to you. Fair enough. I think I maybe uh, jumped ahead a little bit earlier when I was talking about the stuff we were doing during COVID. Obviously, I'm really proud of those programs. I mean, even just developing our uh, daily membership access, you know, it's been a, been quite a journey to do that. But I guess one thing that I can highlight outside of the many things that I've already sort of brought up is our production work. Uh, we historically have kind of kept the bills paid and making furniture for people, different companies and businesses in town. So for example, we did High Water Brewing. We made all of their tabletop and we did some work for Santa Luna. And oh, I, don't, I shouldn't start naming places. There's a lot of places that we've done business for. You can actually check it out on our website hatchworkshop.org slash production team. I have a map there of all these places that we did things for. We did some work back for Channel Brewing back in the day, the downtowner in season. See, there I go again. It's, they're all great people, though. It's, <laughs> you know, it's been it's a pleasure to be able to work with uh, local businesses and local business owners, because that's a, I think that's another part of this idea of the local economy is, you know, where do our dollars come from and where do they go to? So to have local clients and local suppliers makes me feel secure in the fact that this organization is like a part of the collectivized economy. Yeah, it's the local circle of economy. And I don't even know if that's a thing, but yeah, it's something that should happen everywhere. I think if you're a local business, if you could source locally, even better, right? Just keep your dollars here because it's what good does it do, do to us if we get the money here locally and then we're sending it elsewhere, right? And it's not really circulating around here. So I'm glad that they reached out to you guys. You guys could help them out and they refer you guys. I'm sure like anyone that is there, they're just, they're talking about that. I know I would be, if it was my business, I'm like, oh yeah, look at this furniture that they made for us or this other project. Or I look at this piece of art that we have here on display. It came here locally and 
And it also inspires the community, right? They learn more about the workshop and then they're deciding to go and take classes and maybe in the future, even, you know, have teaching careers there, right? That start there. So there's different benefits here all locally, all, all throughout. And it's, it's really awesome to, to see that happening. Thank you. And to go back to that idea of like, you know, being a nonprofit and being exposed to big ideas and trying to educate our community. This concept that we're talking about there, there's a term that's called capital absorption. And that term encapsulates this idea. And the visual metaphor is to imagine money as water and the community is the earth. And I think actually our region is really, really primed to understand this metaphor because we know very well when it's dry, the water doesn't sink in. It just floods and it's gone. <laughs> and so actually understanding how to make sure that the money that comes into the community sinks into the community, the capital is absorbed effectively. And so, you know, making sure that we're working with local suppliers and clients and our employees are local and all that thing. Any Anywhere that we can see a dollar coming or going, <laughs> as much as possible seeing happen like in Stockton, to me, that's um that's one tactic of capital absorption. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just saying. Yeah. <laughs> the first time that I'm hearing that terminology, but yeah, that that's that's well said. I'm glad that that is a thing. <laughs> There's a name to that. And uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, we, we are pretty familiar here. When Learned it in a meeting. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> in your years that you've been in the 209, you started Hatch Workshop. What has been like your most favorite moment? What's the one moment up to date, date that like you remember this area by? Oh, I can't. I couldn't pick a single moment, man. I mean... I mean, if you want to see some really amazing things, you can. There's an Instagram that's been created because I mentioned we have shows. Over, last year, we had about 50 shows here. There were over 100 bands that played on our stage. And at a certain point in the year, we started recording everything. So if you want to see some cool, memorable stuff, you could check out Live Hatch Workshop on Instagram or on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, on a personal note, I guess some of my favorite moments have been playing music. But that's, you know, it's like, it's it's very personal. You know, it's like, yeah. feels nice to the, like, it's the moments I'm just like playing music and the, the sun is setting, you know, little stuff. Like, I, uh, you know, it's, uh, the food is great. You know, I could think about the eating. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really great restaurant here in Stockton, you know. That's a really difficult question. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's, it, you gave me a good answer too. You gave me different things, but I know it's always hard to pick one thing. So. It's, it's great that you mentioned, uh, you know, a few different things that stand out because that that's really impressive to say that you had so many bands there just show up and now it's a yearly thing, right? It's a festival that you allow them the space to be able to perform there and, and have that opportunity. So, I, I mean, I think that one is, is a really great one to say. And I, I really bring it up to highlight the fact that it's like, it, it, you know, memory is a blur, it's, you know, I mean, yeah, there's like, there's things that we can pull out, but like the, the whole, whole experience is just really incredible. You know, looking back on it, it's like a lot of the, um, a lot of the great moments just become like a great, big, beautiful blur. And oh, it kind of yeah. looks like the Delta in setting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like you said, thankfully 
you know, on Instagram, people could see the the experience there. And I mean, I think, and I know you're also a video guy and I, I'm a video guy too. And, you know, I think that's one of the really great things about having so much access to like video recording tools nowadays, right? Your phone could record as good as cameras <laughs> that used to cost so much back then, but it's so great to be able to capture all these different moments visually, right? Because, I mean, they're going to be out there for, I don't know how long, right? But whatever we're capturing now is going to be, in my opinion, at least I feel like it's going to last much longer, right? Than whatever we had before, right? Like generations are going to go on and go on. I think that video is still going to live on and those memories are still going to be there, right? Like we're, we're going to have history books, yes, but we're going to have more visual history, is, is what I'm thinking, you know, and then I'm not thinking like 40, 50, 60, 70 plus years from now. And this is something powerful that I found in photography and video and just like collectivized documentation. People can see the community outside of themselves, but not so easily see themselves within or as a part of the community. And so I think there's just something that's kind of like equalizing about the media, about photography and about documentation like that. You know, everybody is in community in fiction. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes it's the simplest way is the best way. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's the simple thing sometimes that just make make the most difference. And just in general, I always say that in life. Events that Hatch has to offer and also so people listening get an idea. Some of the upcoming events and hopefully we get more people out there going to them. So. What are some of those events that you guys are going to be having this year? So it's the rainy season right now, so our calendar is still getting put together. But there's going to be, we're going to see pop-ups throughout the year. You know, definitely there's going to be some vegan food pop-ups and we'll see some different local arts pop-ups. There'll be concerts pretty regularly. If you go to our website again, you could check. There's an events calendar. On the homepage of our website, again, hatchworkshop.org, there's a class calendar and an events calendar. You could also go to the slash events section, and then there's just some more information about different concerts and pop-ups. There's going to be some art shows. Somebody talked to me about trying to do some like projecting, some like from film screenings or something. So all of that said, if there's anybody local who wants to, you know, try to host an event, reach out, you know, we could try to make something happen together. Well, yeah, I think, I mean, bringing the film festival to to Stockton would be a, a good idea. So I'm glad that that's kind of being uh, the, talked about and you can actually have, have something right in, in the film area to inspire people to record any like short films in the area and, you know, come by and just make a community out of it, right? Since again, one of those things that people usually think, and I, w I was going to be one of those because I, I was going to major in film, but I didn't want to go to LA. But the reality is, right, they end up going over there, they end up going to other big cities and it's it's great and all, but it's nice to have more of that, again, foundation, getting started here, networking with others, as you mentioned, people with all kinds of different experiences. And so by the time they go over there, they feel more confident, right? They feel like, okay, I've gained all this experience. I'm ready to go to LA and like really like take over, right? <laughs> and, you know, make sure that I, I do great in my career. Yeah, I definitely believe in the free movement of people, but I don't know if I encourage people to go to LA. It's all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
and yeah, I mean, like I said, I I was in that situation. I didn't want to go, but uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of people that had to had to unfortunately leave us here. And again, people leave and all that, which is great and all, but again, they leave because there's no opportunities here. They have to go over there and struggle a bit to find those experiences. And so, the more people I hear here that are able to start things to make sure that people of different careers can really start their career here, really start to gain that experience here. I think it's really awesome, right? Because it helps us in all the different aspects to keep the local economy here. And again, just it helps you know our area become more of a place where anyone who wants to have any sort of career can have at least their start in. We should make bumper stickers that say, don't move to LA. Oh, yeah. That would be <laughs> don't move to LA. <laughs> move to the Central Valley instead. <laughs> don't move to LA. Yeah, you'll pay less in rent too, on top of things. And then everything's gonna be a little less. Not like really crazy less, but still it's gonna be a lot. <laughs> a lot less than than you would over there. And not only that, but you know, it's just it's a better area. I always say, you know, it's like less traffic, you get to know more of the people, there's more of that community aspect of things that it gets lost, right? I mean, you go to the bigger cities and you might not have as much of it, right? And it's it's just not the same, right? As when you're in a smaller city and people know more of each other and there's more of those local businesses around, right? So small town heart. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it's one of the things I like, you know, about Stockton is it might be the biggest city of the 209, but it'll always have that, you know, like small city vibe still to it. It doesn't matter if it's the, the biggest city here in the area. So, well, one last thing before I let you go again. I really appreciate the time that you've spent here on the podcast. But I want to know what advice would you give to any artists in the community, whether they're here or they're out of this area, just listening to the podcast here as well, in terms of being able to start their careers? Where should they go to? Of course, the workshop is there too. But if they don't have a workshop in their area, what advice would you have? There is no right answer. And it's not going to be a straight line. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to believe in what you believe in. And then don't give up on that. Because there's a million ways to find success in this life. But if you compromise the integrity that you try to carry with you, then that's something you don't get back. You know, if if somebody them like your art it does not matter <laughs> just keep making what you want to make and doing what you want to do that's great advice that's something else that should also be turned into a bumper sticker too right it's like if some someone doesn't like and you could insert whatever it is that you create right like don't listen to them just you keep doing you and express yourself right because there's a lot of amazing work that has been produced i think just in general right? we look at anything in the media and and the arts and all that and you know, there's been a lot of really talented people that have like they, they've struggled, right? Or like the example you're giving now, right? They've been told, oh, this isn't good, this isn't good enough, right? And had they listened to them, they wouldn't have made the career that they ended up making, right? And we could go through a lot of like well-known people in the world, and a lot of people have gone through that. So I'm glad that you mentioned that because people should keep on going, right? Not never give up or take to heart what others say, right? Unless it's constructive feedback that is all going to help you improve, right? A certain aspect. But again, it's it's your own uh, like project that you're working on. So like, make sure you you just 
you, you add your own like thought to it, right? And don't let others influence you if it's not going to be what you feel is right for you, essentially, right? Precisely. That's it. Agency. That's the gushy heart of it. You know, <laughs> if you can, uh, if you could build something, you can build yourself. You can mm-hmm. change. You know. Yeah, that that's true. All right. Well. Elazar, thank you so much again for spending time here on the podcast. You know, I'm sure everyone listening, you know, has found inspiration. We've <laughs> we've thrown on a lot of like really great quotes uh, in terms of you know being inspired to to do what you like to do, and especially here in the arts. And again, really happy that there is a place for people here to actually be able to work on anything that they want to work on in the arts and and all that. So I'll be sharing your stuff on social media. So people know when events go on and all that. And, and you know, I'm looking forward to going to a class too one day. I know we were talking about offline, but I actually want to take a class there. Again, thank you for being on here. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing you down here at the space before too long. Once again, thank you to Elzar for being on the podcast tonight. And also, once again, if you want to learn more information about Hatch Workshop, you can find it hatchworkshop.org. Tells you everything about what they have going on and also the pricing for the membership. So if you're someone who would like to be a part of the workshops there and have your space there, go ahead and check it out. They have a few different uh, membership plans there and they also have an option for a private studio. So really great that they have these opportunities for people in our community and anyone who wants to be involved in the arts and different aspects, as you heard. They do all kinds of different things there. You now have a space there and and they've been around for a few years. And it's really awesome to know that we have locations like that here in the 209. And I hope that inspires other cities here to also have a similar thing that they have going on there too. And of course, I have to be biased about my hometown Modesto, as I mentioned. And if anyone here in the area that's listening wants to get the start of heck, maybe I might be the one to help get the start sometime in the future here. I think that would be really amazing because I was once trying to be a film major, as I mentioned before. That was one of my original majors when I started college. And I was a little worried that I didn't really have all the resources needed to have that experience other than having the class, which was great. But aside from the class, the college class would end and we wouldn't really have access to all that. So being able to have a place that you can have more of those tools and not just the tools themselves, but also just have the space where you can collaborate with others and get that inspiration, as I mentioned before, of just being around different creative people. It it really inspires you. And I think I've heard it from like other creatives as well, that you just being around that environment just makes you feel like you could do even more projects and just helps you get more ideas for future projects to work on. So definitely check them out whenever you get a chance. Go to their events so you can learn a little bit more about what they offer there and get the chance to meet Elazar too, talk to him about anything he has going on and all that. Because as I mentioned, he's done a lot of different things, photography, video, music, sculptures, and so on. So any questions you have, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to answer them there at the workshop. and. You know, you get to see other people working on different things and also maybe get inspired to maybe, you know, pick up something new too and take one of the classes. Like I mentioned, 
someday want to take a class there, learn a new skill that I've never learned before, and just be able to say, I, I made something, I made that. And it's it's really something else, I think, to be able to say, like, I, I created something. Rather than buying this, I made that. So again, check them out. They're in downtown Stockton. And if you want the address, the address is 40 South Union Street. So on my next episode, episode 45, and yes, I'm getting close to that 50th episode, which I've been talking about here for a while, but I'll have more on that probably in the next two episodes. Once I'm at episode 47, I think I'll I'll be speaking more about that. But on that episode, I'm going to be interviewing another pizza business owner. In this particular case, a pizza business located in Tracy. So first time I'll be actually interviewing someone from Tracy. Second time I'll be interviewing a pizza business owner, if you all recall. If you haven't listened to that episode, go listen to it. Episode 24, I actually interviewed Ryan Mondragon who has a mobile pizza catering business. So definitely check that one out if you haven't yet. But that's the next interview. That's how uh, the interview schedule is looking like. And I'm really glad that I'm able to actually now let y'all know what the upcoming episode will be. I know what that'll be. Then things are going good with the scheduling. And I am actually really happy that I actually have quite a few interviews scheduled and I am going to probably be posting episodes twice a week now as I get closer to my 50th episode. I'm trying to get it posted in a certain week. So I think I might be actually doing twice a week episodes as of next week. So be on the lookout again, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't yet, wherever you might be listening to. So you find out when new episodes get posted. Also on the social media pages, that's another place where you can actually uh, find out when I post the new episodes. and. If you want to learn more about any of the guests that I have on to, I'll usually tag either their pages or their business page. And so you can find out more about them. Well, thank you everyone for listening to the podcast here. As always, appreciate all the listens and all the support on social media. You'll hear me at the end of this week with another episode. Again, I'll be doing twice a week episodes here for uh, the following weeks might even be a thing that i start doing twice a week but for now i'm trying to time my 50th episode for a certain week so uh, that's how it'll be like have a great morning or night whenever you might be listening to this and again you'll hear me at the end of the week here on the 209 journey podcast 